0: Doing things on my own, as I wanted to be able to be flexible. Mm-hmm. And so I, I joke around. I say wherever I can find a Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. uh, a phone line, I can. You can find my business because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. need to be able to, you know, you can able to tap in, log in, as well as to be able to be efficient working with. Um, because my company is um, Act for Accountability, the nonprofit organization I founded, mm-hmm. is a virtual organization. Okay, and so I uh, we have people here. Hello, hello everyone, welcome again
1: to another wonderful session. Today, we have a power player in the house. Um, no other person than Omolola Adele Osho, is that right? Osho, Osho, oh, okay, Omolola Adele Osho, and uh, she's the founder and CEO of the NGO Checker, and she she's a serial entrepreneur. She is an entrepreneur. She's an architect. She's a tech founder, organizational development practitioner, dedicated to addressing issues related to Africa and her diaspora. She's into social justice and good governance. In 2016, um, she was the United States woman nominated change maker. She appeared on the BBC World Service, Al Jazeera, Strict Talk Africa, National Public Radio, the Rahim um, Show and the Kojo Unnamdi show. She has written in The Guardian and was featured in Black Enterprise, The Daily Beast, CNN, and Washington Post. Um, ladies and gentlemen, welcome today again to, welcome Lola with her presence today to this show. Thank you. Yes, Lola, how it, has it been today?
0: It's been good, you know, and um, it's, uh, you know, working from home. Okay. As you know entrepreneurs, we, um one of the things I decided when I was starting my business and businesses shifting from the corporate life to, you know, doing things on my own was I wanted to be able to be flexible. Mm-hmm. And so I, I joke around, I say, wherever I can find a wifi,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: a phone line, I can, you can find my business. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you yeah. need to be able to You know, you can able to tap in, log in as well as to be able to be efficient working with, um, because my company is, um, act for accountability, the nonprofit organization I founded Mm -hmm. is a virtual organization. Okay. So I, we have people here, we have somebody who's, you know, uh, volunteering and working with us in Boston. Um, I have, you know, people in Nigeria, you know, have board members in Canada, Mm -hmm. you know, so we're running a very lean but also a very virtual organization, which is the future of work. So Mm -hmm. the ability to be flexible is, you know, one of the things and especially I think our topic is about scaling Mm -hmm. is, you know, you have to you have to take into consideration um, what does that mean for your infrastructure of your organization? So organizations that are more traditional brick and mortar organizations have a harder time many times when it comes to scale, because there are reali- real- realities around you. Have, if you are growing in size, then mm-hmm. you are talking about space, mm-hmm. uh, which costs, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, if you're a virtual organization, growing in scale means you're growing your team, but also that means you have to think about what processes and what infrastructure do you need when it comes to connecting, making sure that there's accountability, that there's, you know, um, there's, a, there's a system-wide, you know, set of network tools that you're using as an organization. Mm-hmm. Be cool, you know, be all these things that everybody needs to be able to know what everybody's in at a time you know, have your organization, you know, stand-ins or stand-ups, uh, where, you know, it's your weekly Mm check-ins, you know, how do you build morale? How do you do all these things when you're running a a virtual organization? How do you, simple things like how do you even celebrate birthdays? Um, when you're not in person mm-hmm. so but people still feel appreciated mm-hmm. And it, to point to it, sometimes we use social media like i'll be i'll take over the social media i of like today we're celebrating our volunteer person or this person and say mm-hmm. you know i'm grateful for all the work that they're doing and i think that helps you build morale and sometimes it's easier to do virtually when versus having a brick and mortar business
1: yeah. and mm-hmm. so
0: yeah, so I'm um, go ahead.
1: Yeah, you mentioned something about um, lean startup. So which brings us to the topic of um, this uh, this session, which is um, how to scale by reduction. Yeah. So how do you scale by reduction?
0: Yeah, because- uh, it's uh, it's uh, something that we, one, you know, my background is in uh, master's degrees in organization development, and you know, in organization development, you take a look at how. People, processes, structure, systems, um, all work together to make a cohesive, um, alignment of mm-hmm. business and strategy, um, and goals and all, everything that tied to strategy. So when I was starting my organization, I realized again, going back to that thing of wanting to be able to make decisions quickly, mm-hmm. um, you know it's tough you know take some an example like uh, facebook you know facebook has grown versus what mark zuckerberg started in his college room at you know Mm -hmm. harvard um but that said facebook also has this thing built into their system where they allow and they allow their employees to test new ideas of Mm -hmm. of um, a new version of facebook or a feature And if they can, they can create like an offline version of Facebook and find user groups to be able to test this thing quickly. And if it works, then they can take it to their manager and say, hey, I tested this thing, I came up with this idea, I think it might be a good thing for us to implement into our Facebook features. So Mm -hmm. that's how a lot of, they generate, besides buying companies like Instagram or WhatsApp and building into the infrastructure, but that's a way where they figure out how to scale without having to always outsource, you know, a way of what's the next iteration of our business. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's scaling internally for them. But when you talk about scaling about by reduction, what, a lot of times people think scale means you have to grow in number and size. Yeah. And that's, I think, a, a fallacy um, because not every organization can do that sometimes you have to scale by reducing. That means you reduce the number of offerings, you reduce the number of people, you reduce the, the you know, or you evaluate the goals that your organization has set based on taking a look at the data, based on taking a look at past performance. So whether it's what worked, what didn't work, and what could be better or needs tweaking. And it takes stepping back at a certain point for an organization to be able to say, all right, we're at a point where for us, it's we're hit five years. What does the next three years look like for us? Um, Are we going to continue existing as an organization? Because it wasn't a planned organization, it was an experiment Mm -hmm. of a bunch of people coming together who were fighting for accountability of a government after kidnappings of schoolgirls. That's how we started. Mm -hmm. And along the way, we realized that there's a gap. Um, besides calling for accountability, we realized that when we had certain types of events, people were quickly responding. And so by starting off as an activist group, we actually fell into a place where we've been doing more capacity building, mm-hmm. um, where we've done trainings and with organizations and NGOs in Africa, in Nigeria, Uganda, um, where we are doing, we launched a program in the U.S. called Diaspora Rise Up, um, where we're galvanizing the diaspora in microphilanthropy because we give. Yeah. But the concept of microphilanthropy is that, you know what, this grant is being given to this NGO that we're vetting um, to be able to support them. We realized that people didn't, weren't really as engaged in the activism side of stuff. Mm-hmm. But when we give people a way of feeling like they belong, and that their their money and their dollars is going towards impact. Yeah, we realize that people are responding more to those kinds of programs, and that the way we're doing it is different from all these other African groups that we're seeing out here. Um, because I think with the intentionality we've 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 had behind, we don't want to just be a nonprofit. We operate as a start startup, yeah. you know, and so that has being a way of us saying people that you see, even working in the organization are young, you know, we're all young, you know, we're 40 and below, you know, so there's a youthfulness around willing to take chances. There's a youthfulness around willing to um, shift And if you see that something's not working, yeah. we can acknowledge that it didn't work. It was like, that was an experiment that didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, And I think that it's made us be able to come to a place now where we're saying, okay, we now know what doesn't work for us as an organization. And if we, and that we need to be able to figure out a way of reestablishing and reintroducing so that we can continue to move forward. That doesn't mean we shut down the operation, but it just means that we have to um, fix and move and um, put more resources in certain areas. Uh, and so when I, that's what I mean by what I'm saying that we're scaling by reducing, that we're taking a look at the whole picture, and we're realizing that, you know what, the way that we were formed because it wasn't we didn't spend time really sitting down thinking about a business plan. We just yes. like, we just went. <laughs> 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 and hindsight, I don't know if I would encourage people to do that, however, you know, uh, the, rat, the way it started, it's, it kind of worked out because it was intentionality about not wanting to operate as a nonprofit, but learning from the startup world. And, and so that I think is something that now that we're talking about scale, is like, okay, how do we scale? And we're also recognizing that there are certain challenges when it comes to, to businesses scaling from, you know, a small group of people to now we have recognition, we've received funding from MasterCard Foundation. You know, we're doing all this work that actually has really, real impact. We've generated data that we couldn't find in the industry. So what does that now mean for us as an organization? Um, and it's going to be an interesting you know, journey to go through. We were at the beginning processes of this strategic planning um, activity. Um, and I'm curious and I'm excited to see what it's going to mean. We already know that they're going to tr- transitions that we're going to have to make
1: yeah. uh,
0: and I think that the board is is together in saying you know it, it seems right, it's not stupid you know decisions we're not we're not letting go of things holding on to things emotionally because this is how we started, but it's a good way for us to be able to build sustainability, and mm-hmm. that's what we're focusing on is uh, you know how do you skill? By reducing to make sure that you're still around.
1: Yeah. So um, you just you just said something just now about uh, letting go of some emotional stuff. Oh yeah. That are attached to the business. Oh yeah. So do you do that through um, what what processes do you use to like? Okay, you know what this is too emotional. We need to let it go. Or.
0: Yeah. I so when you are also the founder of the organization, it's hard mm-hmm. because it's also like it's your baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but the wonderful thing about it, and this is a common thing I hear people say, they're like, this is your baby. I said, but it, I don't want, I don't want to be that founder, you know, executive director or a leader who is still lurking around the halls of the organization way past, you know, their prime. People think that, you know, when you start a nonprofit, for example, a nonprofit business, that's, Oh, you own it. Nobody owns a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the beautiful things. So if I, Step aside. I can step aside in a way where I'm leaving it, for, and and that's also part of what we're we're considering. Yeah. It is as I'm building a tech business NGO checker, you know, this, there's a shift for me personally, and so that means that the process of you know what does the new the scaling look like means new leadership, and that I have to be honest, and I'm okay with that. Um, and so when we go through this process, that's also something that's on the table is do I, am I better served by just being on the board and being on the board means I can be a stronger advocate for mm-hmm. certain resources. Um, and so I think that when it comes to everything that you, you that you're going to, everything that we're, we're going to, uh, do in the next, <laughs> gosh, next few months, yeah. um, I, I just think that it I just think that when it comes to well, I think that when it comes to everything that we're gonna do in the next few months, one of the few things that um, we are looking at is the emotional aspect of not of of just focusing on data. When you focus on data, which is has to be critical when you're talking about scale. Mm-hmm. Organizations, you can go based on just, you know, oh, we like this. If it's not profitable, then it's not, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've said, you know, even as a nonprofit organization, I tell somebody now, I say, look, your number one focus in business, we can sugarcoat it all we want, but the number one focus of business is to make money. Yeah. That's the truth. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. So anything else that is not making money is on the chopping block and i think the board uh has come to that decision because i have taken that position um if i was like well we have to keep this on i'm sure i could convince them also like okay let's figure out a way around it Mm -hmm. but when i look at the data when i look at how much time we're investing in certain aspects of this that is not moving and it's not getting the response from our end users or our customers. Again, using startup language to operate mm-hmm. in a nonprofit. Who are your customers? Who are your end users? You know, that gives our, our brain the opportunity to be able to separate emotions or say, oh, we're running a nonprofit organization, um, which a lot of people think because you're running a nonprofit organization that it's a, you're m- making no profits. That's another misnomer we've done events where, you know, we're like, okay, how do we convert this into a revenue generator program Mm -hmm. for us? So that you have a a diversity of funding sources. So it's not just chasing grants. And now part of that scaling is really now taking a look in the minutiae of this program has the potential to be a revenue generator.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, now overlaying that with the legalities of how much kind of nonprofit organization raising money. Honestly, you, there's some businesses out there that people don't know are nonprofit organizations and they are making money.
1: Yep.
0: So, Nonprofit organizations that are investing money in the stock market. So we're taking a look. Yes. Yes. Because you know what? They need to have residual income yeah. that, that it can pour into it, and again, I'm not naming names, but there are huge nonprofit organizations that have wealth managers, portfolio managers that are investing aspects of their money into the stock market, and so it's part of their um, um what do you call it? Uh, you know, unrestricted funding.
1: Because yeah because I was, I was an impression that I was an impression that NGOs is like a funnel where just. They get funding and they look poof. Okay, the money goes boom. Yeah. They take from here and they poof, poof. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. We know how to make the world a better place. Give us your money and you take then.
0: See, that's the thing people don't know. So when people and that's part of why we have operated this way, and that's why, you know, I have conversations like these, is to show that people that yes, nonprofits are, are first and foremost their businesses. Nonprofit is a designation because it's a business type of designation so that you are, you know, you're restricted in some of your activities. For example, we can't do lobbying or you can only do no more more than 30% of your time can be spent on lobbying. You know, there are certain things you can't take money in a certain way. You have Mm -hmm. to have certain, you know, oversight. That's a business thing, but we're still businesses. And so we have to figure out how to make money. Yes, majority of NGOs and nonprofits get money from grant funding, but you're also seeing a lot more and nonprofits realize that the they, they move towards a sort of social enterprise model is necessary for them to be able to scale and to sustain. And so we're seeing an evolution of how businesses are operating. They may they may have a separate EIN number for a business that is a for-profit business, but it's still tied to the nonprofits so that they can make money. And so for us, we're also taking a look at some of the services that we've created. Is that is there a way for them to get paid? Some of these trainings that we're doing. Um, how do we get you know the the per- participants? who are serious about them. Like if we're creating a boot camp, for example, mm-hmm. um, on how to build, you know, uh, your, how to design your strategy. You know, some there's also something about when people pay for it, mm-hmm. they take it more seriously. Yeah. And so we're taking a look at all of these because can that be a source of unrestricted funding where, you know, we don't have to worry about, you know, we can pay salary, we can pay this, we can pay that versus worrying about, oh, this funder has said the money can only go here um because when you take funding just like vc money there are restrictions that come with it um and for us it's even is more restricted when it comes to um you know nonprofit organizations so we're in that place right now where we're evaluating all these things um and, you know, it's going to be, there are going to be some things we're going to have, g- we're going to have to wrestle with, I know, mm-hmm. uh, just based on our internal first conversations as a group. Um, but the other part of it is also exciting because it goes back to this idea of scaling by reduction. Yeah. It, we can be even lighter. I don't even know if we can be any more lighter than we are, but it also gives us the opportunity to, to be like, all right, so we need to actually dig deep and we can use this as a as a way to also be very competitive, like to differentiate ourselves from other nonprofits, other social businesses, and be innovative at the same time. Yeah, and because
1: so, because you run you run basically what you've just said now regards um, your act for accountability. Now it's like you run you run like a global um, a global NGO. Yeah. While being lean.
0: Exactly, and people. So- and it's like how are you doing it and so and it's you know you find people in different places so um we are more heavily on the volunteer side and so that came as a place where um that, that as a volunteer or primarily volunteer organization even though we we've had funding but still a lot of utilizing of People's skills and talents.
1: So if so, if you if you want to like switch this now for a for-profit organization, how would you switch?
0: Yeah, I mean, for and and same thing. I'm NGO Checker. I'm building is a for-profit business. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the same thing. Is that right now? There's been a lot of investing in building. It has been a lot of my personal money. Mm -hmm. Um, But that said, you have to also take a look at where are you. Where are you going? Who's going to pay for the kind of products that you have? Um, if you don't have a product that people are going to willing to be willing to pay for, you don't have a business.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's the truth. You have a hobby. Simple, yeah. And that's, I think, the first premise of business is, are you solving a problem that other people have? Yes. NGO Checker is going to be the premier pl- space experience marketplace where one, we want to make nonprofit NGO world cool because when people think about it, you said to it yourself, it's like, oh, you think about the money, the charity, and blah, blah, blah. But people don't really understand the value and the importance, big importance of the role of these organizations. But if I were to ask you, you, know, how many times have you thought about giving to a social good business that either is in your home country or your community, but what are the first things that come to your mind when you think of, should I give to an NGO in Africa?
1: Oh no! Nah.
0: Exactly, and why is that?
1: Um, uh, because you know you don't uh, actually see what you expect to see, so there's no whether
0: the money is going to go where it's supposed nah. to. Exactly. Now, if you were able to find a place where you could find information about NGOs that you know have something to do with maybe your your interest or your passion, or your local community. You could easily, by the kink of your finger, go there and be able to find all this data. You can even find, you can even connect directly with the NGO, you can ask them questions. You can do volunteering over the internet to say, you know what, I'm a person that is doing business strategy. I can help you with some of your, taking a look at some of your business strategy documents and give you feedback. Would you use that service?
1: Absolutely, that would be kind of cool.
0: Exactly. That's what I'm building NGO Checker to be. That's and kind so, of cool. And that's also a way for us to collect data. So
1: because you, it, takes, it takes away so many ex- confusion.
0: Exactly. And it takes away the barrier of people actually doing what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what? It's real life experience because it's consulting, virtual consulting for you. And you can put that on your LinkedIn to say, I have done skills consulting or volunteer consulting with this NGO. But then on the other side for funders, you know, so again, it goes back to my initial statement of, do I have a potential product here that people will be willing to pay for? Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, when it comes to now technology, but we're not talking about technology that uh, of a sector that may seem impossible to scale because you're talking about digitizing NGOs and all these entities into a place where a lot of information is in paper. That's a lot of work. Um, mm-hmm. And there are different ways in which you can do it. But you can also look at something like Airbnb. How did Airbnb scale? Airbnb in their early days started off as two guys who you know, had this website and were asking people to post uh, their apartments on, on, on this platform. They started off with two listings. And most of the time, they were one of the listings where they're going to stay at these people's homes and they're carrying their backpack and they're writing the checks to the guests and saying, OK, this is your money for the month of mm-hmm. all the guests you received. But here was where they were able to scale. You have to find some competitive value proposition that will set you aside. What they were doing that hotels and things are not doing is. They offered people, if you sign up on our site, we will come and take photos of your apartment to help you market your site, your apartments better. People took them up on it. So these guys are traveling all over the country. Then they'll Mm -hmm. say, oh, you know, the photographers are coming to take your photo on this day. It was them. So they took something that was unscalable because they recognized that people are visual if I can see where I'm going to stay, mm-hmm. if there's a process of background checking that the person that's coming to stay in my house is not a criminal. Yep. and that you know, There's a way of if they damage anything on my property that I can get compensated for it. As long as they were trying and testing and through errors and potential lawsuits, <laughs> they figured out a system. But that was a process of building and scaling. They, le- they they, 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 there were some things they didn't do well and they've acknowledged it, but there's some things that they've also fixed in the process. So same thing happens, whether you're in a nonprofit or a for-profit business, you have to look at, you know, what are those things that may seem unscalable? And then how do you figure out a roundabout way that you can make them scalable? How do you also, um, in the process of scaling, how do you stay competitive? Because the thing that the competitive edge of what Airbnb had was they were are now offering the people who are stay, who were home listers this photography service. They also attempted to say, you know what, if you're signing up on Airbnb, like you're eligible to have a curated experience of the city you're traveling to mm-hmm. so for some people in the beginning stages they offered them they were like they would have a car pick them up they would you know you know make sure that when you get there that the homeowner is there to greet you they would send you an email with like potential dinner places to go to mm-hmm. they were curating experiences for people who are using their business that's the same thing i'm planning on doing not not the same verbatim but taking a look at that competitive edge of saying, how do I build a premier platform where it's not just about NGO verification, but it's an experience that you're getting. Mm-hmm. And for me, that would that's the part where the scaling and the the innovation and the challenges, you know, come through. So scaling is never easy, whether you're in a nonprofit side or for a for-profit business. But again, it comes down to, in the process of scaling, you're taking a look at your strategy. Are you, do you need to let go of certain aspects of your business um, in order to leap forward? Um, and if you need to, how do you ensure that the other aspects of the organization remain in alignment? And then, you know what? Who's your customer? Now is your, by, by scaling by reduction, are you losing a huge ch- chunk of your customer base? Mm-hmm. And how do you, you, you should know that there's going to be a, um, uh, a, a percentage of people who will not agree with the process of scaling. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and is it worth investing in convincing them that this is the, still the right, tool, this is still the right business for them, or are you at a place where you're ready and willing to let them go? Um, Those are internal conversations your organization has to do. So again, reducing, you're going to have um, a, a loss of people, you're going to have a loss of customers, but are you also opening yourself up to capture a new customer base? And how do you market to that customer base? And how do you, what are the resources you need to invest in actually entering that space? Um, so all these things go into consideration when we're talking about scaling by reduction is um, thinking through the bigger goals, the strategic goals, the implementation. Um, but I think it really takes a hard and, and a really, really in-depth analysis of your strategy and your ultimate goal. Um, and that takes testing. You have to test you know, certain things with your, your customers or your end users, you know, doing informal surveys. Um, you know, even using social media nowadays, mm-hmm. you know, you can post a thing on Instagram or Facebook and have, you know, you may have a smaller sample of people responding, but they will still respond. Yeah. You do a survey monkey, you know, to through your newsletter, if you have one and have people's responses. And then one of the things that we do is we follow up with like, huh, this person's response was very explicit. Like they, they really let us know how they were thinking. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't like the fact that you did this. And then, you know, now you, you, we don't have any other way to blah, blah, blah. That feedback was mean. I now picked up the phone and called Nigeria and say, Hey, you know, we real we thank you for your survey. You know, first of all, would you have more time to sit down with me to even dig deeper? Mm -hmm. What's behind it? They were like, no, we loved your program. But the thing is like now those resources we can't find here. And so are you guys going to come back? You know, this is always the problem with these kinds of programs. It's like, you know, you guys do it one time and, you know, the rest times we don't have anybody to call or to talk to about these things. Aha, light bulb. So how do we now create a way for them to continuously get support? And so um, as an organization, uh, Act for Accountability, that is, we're taking a look at We've seen it in many iterations in the interviews that we've done that people say they need help. Are they willing to pay a certain amounts for that kind of help? Some of them have said yes, some of them have said no. So now let's dig deeper with the ones who say yes, because our focus is how do we financially grow yes. sustainability on restricted funds?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now we're in a place where we're like, all right, what are the potential offerings that we can offer that is manageable? knowing that we are for a virtual organization, how can we automate using technology yeah. um, and all, and also what else do we need to know? So we're about to, you know, do a focus group, a virtual focus group with some of these um, NGO leaders to say, you know, we've heard what you have to say, but we want to hear more, you know, and let the, let the end user, help drive the iteration and the growth and the scaling of the organization so we just a thought that we are you know we're toying with is um how do we make this more virtual um, how do we make the kind of support more virtual um, and if we use technology you know is it a thing where we can get investment from um you know vcs mm-hmm. to build this technology um, Again, now we're starting to dance in like, are we now a nonprofit? Do we need to switch to become something else? Do we launch this program to be a for profit venture under this nonprofit? So we become a essence a social enterprise. Yeah. Does the whole organization need to restructure as a a well that we're no longer a nonprofit? You know, mm-hmm. what does that mean to losing that nonprofit status? There's so much change that we're, going, that we're about to embark on. I think it's really exciting. Yes. Um, some people will say, oh my gosh, it's like that sounds like a lot. But no, it's actually exciting because, again, five years ago, I just thought we were going to be an activist organization. And now we're talking about we could potentially be changing the way you think about nonprofits and nonprofit operations. That
1: is amazing.
0: So that's exciting to me. And, and I know that, you know, it was part of the journey to now me wanting to create an NGO checker. Um, And so knowing that there's these two entities, you know, again, for reduction and for, for growth, I think finding a person who can now take the organization to the next level might be the best thing. Um, So again, it's all on the table. But we're really having that place where it's an exciting time about scale. It's going to be scary. It's going to be like, oh, maybe we didn't talk about, maybe we did do this the right way. Uh, but that said, I think communication throughout as you're scaling, thinking about scaling, communication to your customers, communication to your end users is very, very key. You know, a lot of people want to scale their organization and then, boop, you just say an announcement this person is gone, blah, blah, blah is gone. And you're like, Oh, oh, by the way, we've changed our name of our organization. And they're like, Whoa, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. But if you, if you are keeping them abreast along the way, um, then you're, you're, you're able to really make sure that, um, you're, you're keeping them and you're keeping your, your followers, keeping them as ambassadors um, of your business and that's how you really are going to be able to transcend the next level.
1: Yeah, because I really like I really like the way you you uh, making sure that this thing is actually properly streamlined and lean. Making it virtual is really not bootstrapped but um what's the right word to use?
0: I mean it's bootstrapping. We're yeah. bootstrapping. So yeah, I mean that's that's a great um that's a great um you know, way to be able to to do it. You know, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with bootstrapping as long as you can. Um, you know, I, I think even as, as I have, I'm building a tech business, you know, that's one of the advice that people have been giving me is bootstrap for as long as you can. Um, because you know, that is going to come a point where you're going to need heavy, heavy capital Mm -hmm. and you don't want to have diluted your company so much that you can't keep, majority stakeholdership of your company um and that you've given away so much shares in the beginning stages now you need an rejection of cash of let's say 15 million dollars to build you know the next you know iteration of the platform mm-hmm. that now you're down to 30 percent of your own business
1: yeah that's fantastic <laughs> that is just great um thank you very much um
0: Sure, sure. To it's
1: the, a pleasure. Yeah, to the audience, I can see. I can see. Um, the transcript of this um, conversation will be available for you guys to download. Take advantage of it. Go through. Watch as much as you can because she is loaded and she has given us. <laughs> and um, Lola, I will say thank you very much for this session with us, and um, we are very very grateful for having you.
0: It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure.
1: Yeah, guys, check out NGO Checker. I don't know, how can they... Um...
0: Yes, yeah, so so yes. Um, so it's ngochecker.org. You can subscribe to our email newsletter. Um, and if you know anybody who has an African NGO, please en- encourage them to sign up because we share information like upcoming grants, deadlines, resources that they can use for their capacity building um, and other really good juicy stuff in there. Um, because again, we're talking about creating value before we create like a full platform. So that's where we are right now. So NGOchecker.org, um, follow us on Instagram as well and uh, Act for Accountability, which is our nonprofit organization, mm-hmm. is also on Instagram, on, on you know uh, Twitter, on Facebook. That's ACT number four, accountability.org. That's actforaccountability.org. And you can find out about our other programs on there. And um, no, great. It's great. One more thing that I wanted to leave as a resource that is really good for helpful for me is um, there's a book by John Cotter, K-O-T-T-E-R. It's called Leading Change. Um, And I think that that's a really good um, book for people to be able to think through when you're leading change. Some of the things as the leadership should mm-hmm. take into consideration. So um, it's a classic book. Um, so it's Leading Change by John Kotter. Um, another really good one is Good to Great by Jim Collins. Yeah, yeah.
1: Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Much. <laughs> All right. So thank you very much for being part of the show. We really appreciate you here. Listen. We all have ideas and visions of how we see our lives, our enterprise. But without strategic moves, it will remain a pipe dream. As an accountability coach and your success partner, I help and support my clients to build their dream business or their dream lifestyle and make it a reality. So talk to me today, no matter how crazy your your business vision is or how crazy your ideas are. We can build structure to make it a reality. So send me an email or click the link below to talk about your ideas now. It is your dream. It came to you for a reason. To be responsible. Because the world is waiting for you to act. Thank you. Until next time. This is Victor Osio. be great!